Good to see you today. If you're visiting with us, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming our way today. If, if you're a first-time visitor, we are currently right in the middle of a sermon series entitled God Is. And the purpose of this series is to help each of us get to know God a little better. For six weeks, we're opening up our Bibles and we're studying together and we're identifying six words that we could use to describe God so that we kind of fill in the blanks. God is... Our first word was listening. God is listening. So we decided that what we would do is we would stop complaining and we'd start praying. The second word was able. God is able. So we decided that we would stop trying and start trusting. And by that I mean this. We're going to stop trying to pull off the impossible. We're going to trust God to do that. Last week, Tim shared our third word. It was able. God is able. Therefore, we should stop waiting and start investing or just start working alongside God. So this morning, we're going to go back to the Bible. and We're going to try to discover our fourth word and where we're going to find it at. Now, in the two sermons that I've preached, I use the nation of Israel as my example. I want to do that again today. I need to remind you that when Israel was a young and very small nation, they relocated to the land of Egypt in hopes of surviving a severe famine. And how did that work out for them? Well, in the beginning, it worked great. Not only did they survive, they thrived. There actually came a point in time where there were more Israelites living within the borders of Egypt than Egyptians. And one day, the reigning Pharaoh, he noticed that. And it bothered him. And he had a leadership meeting and he sits down with his leaders and he said, I'm concerned if we were to ever go to war and these Israelites were to join in with our enemies, it's just not going to bode well for us. So he said, I'm recommending that we do something. Let's change the nature of our relationship with them. Up to this point, the the Egyptians and the Israelites had had a great relationship together. He said, but I want to change that. Let's make them our slaves. And they did. And they treated the Israelites cruelly. They oppressed them. And they made their lives miserable. And in their misery, the Israelites began to cry out unto God for deliverance. And the Bible said God listened to their prayers. And one day, he made a decision. It's time to act. I'm going to answer the prayers. First thing he did was he called a man named Moses and put him on the point of this rescue mission. He came to him one day and explained to him exactly what he was going to do. And he said, I've got a message I want you to convey to the Israelites. And I want us to look in Exodus chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And I want, us to, I want us to read together this message that God wanted Moses to pass on to the Israelites. Let's read it together. God says, now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Has appeared to me. He told me I've been watching closely. Well, that's that's a comforting thought. I've been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I see what you're going through. I know what you're going through. And this next line is critical. It's of utmost importance. God said, you tell him this. I have promised to rescue you. Did you see that? 
I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and I guess all the otherites now live. So Moses gets his brother Aaron and they go down to Egypt. They get the leadership of the nation of Israel together. They shared this message with him. Now, they've probably been praying for well over 100 years for something to happen. And these two guys show up and say, God sent us with this message. Megan, they had to be, well, they were. The Bible says they were relieved. They were excited. You know, they, it was, whew, finally, this is about to be over. So Moses and Aaron go to see the reigning Pharaoh. They inform him. This is what God's doing, and your part in this is let them go. Pharaoh said, Absolutely not. And you can't make me. So God sent a sequence of nine plagues on Egypt. And through those plagues, absolutely lay the land of Egypt in waste. Yet Pharaoh stood firm and said, I don't care. I said never and I meant never. No way will I do this. So God talks to Moses and he said one more plague. He said the next plague will be called the plague of death. Man, that that scares me. Just the, the, the way God phrased that. The next plague will be the plague of death. And he said, Moses, this is what's about to happen. Tonight at midnight, I'm going to send my death angel. Now, that scares me too. Death angel? I don't want to see that dude. He said, I'm going to send my death angel through the land of Egypt, and he is going to kill the firstborn male child in every household. The only way the Israelites will escape this, they're going to have to cooperate with me. There's some things I need them to do. I want every household to take a male lamb or goat, one year old, without any defect. And at twilight, I want them to kill it. And I want them to take the blood from that animal, and I want them to paint the door frame of their house with it. And then they're to dress that animal out and roast it. I want them to eat it. And along with this, this meat, God told them, that, you know, here are the side dishes that, I'm, that I want you to have. And he said, when you're eating, and I want you to eat this meal. And he said, as you're eating this meal, I want you to have your shoes on. I want you to, you know, I want you to have your uh, bags packed. And I want you to have your walking stick in your hand because tonight's a night, man. Tonight's a night. Moses, he goes back and he tells all the people and everybody. And this is, this, is, this is what God told Moses. Here's what's going to happen. When my death angel comes through the land, every house he sees the blood on the doorpost, he's going to pass over it. He'll spare them. He'll spare the firstborn in their home. So Moses told the people, everybody cooperated. And as God said, that night the death angel came through Egypt. He killed the firstborn male child in every Egyptian home from Pharaoh's house to the home of the lowliest servant. And not an Israelite boy was killed. 
Well, as you can imagine, right after midnight, there was great mourning in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned for Moses to come to his office. Then, in the middle of the night, and he told him, you get these people, and you get them out of here, and you get them out of here now. Moses goes back, and he begins to lead the Israelites to the freedom they had prayed for for probably a century. Now, I want you to read something about this night. It's found in Exodus 12, verse number 42. The Bible says, on this night, you see the next phrase? Oh, it's huge. The Lord kept his promise. Do you see that? On this night, the Lord kept his promise. To bring his people out of the land of Egypt. I love this next phrase. So this night belongs to him. It belongs to him. And it must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. Now somewhere in that story we were supposed to discover a word that we could use to describe God. For me. That word is faithful. God is faithful. Yes, what does it mean? It means God is dependable, reliable, trustworthy. It means God is true to his word and he never breaks a promise. He promised these Israelites, I'm going to deliver you. And he kept that promise. It means God will never leave us nor forsake us. And in the end of every dilemma, every trial, every ordeal, in his way and in his time, he always, always comes through for us. God will never let us down. God is faithful. And out of that fact, I want to strongly suggest that we do something. I'm suggesting that we stop being forgetful and we start being thankful. We're wrapping up another week of Thanksgiving today. Have you felt extraordinarily thankful this week? Have you heard yourself expressing gratitude? Maybe in your prayers. Maybe to people you were speaking with. If not, the problem could be forgetfulness. If you're not feeling thankful, I'm going to encourage you to pause and take a long look back over your life. You know what you're going to realize? You've got a lot to be thankful for. Because God has been faithful to you. I want you to... Are you thankful?
Are you thankful? That's better. When God kept his promise to the Israelites, he told Moses, I want the Israelites to commemorate the events of this night once a year for every succeeding generation. Why do you think he wanted that? He knew that human beings are forgetful. And he didn't want them to forget all that he had done for them. God told Moses he wanted them to pause once a year and have a meal much like the one they had had on the night of their deliverance. It's called the Passover meal. And this meal was to serve as a reminder to each of them that God is faithful. On the night before he died, Jesus shared the Passover meal with his 12 disciples. At some point, he took a piece of bread and he began to break it into pieces. And he told those men, just as this bread was broken, my body is about to be broken for you. And then he, he gave each of them a piece of the bread and encouraged them to eat. He then poured a cup full of wine, blessed it passed it to the disciples, saying, Each of you, drink. Just as the wine pours from this cup, my blood will soon pour from my body for you. Apparently what Jesus shared with his disciples on that Passover night wasn't supposed to be a one-time occurrence. According to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, This meal was supposed to be observed by the church throughout all generations. We call it communion. and Sometimes we call it the Lord's Supper. Why do you think Jesus wants us to do this? He knows us. He knows that we are forgetful. We can become so preoccupied with life that we seldom look back and consider everything that God has done for us. According to the Bible, Jesus wants us to periodically take communion in order to jog our memory. He told the disciples, I want you to keep doing this. And every time you do it, you do it in remembrance of me. So today we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper together as a means of reminding ourselves that God is faithful. He promised to send us a Savior. And he kept that promise. You're going to be given a a piece of bread, a small piece of bread and a small cup of juice. And I want you to hold on to that for just a moment. And I'm going to come back. And we're going to partake in communion together.
Jesus said, you let the bread remind you that as your Savior, I suffered physically. I remind you that he was beaten by men's fist. Someone fashioned a crown of thorns and forced it onto his forehead. He was beaten with a whip and then nailed to a cross. And then suspended from that cross, he died the agonizing death of crucifixion. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. Don't forget. Don't you ever forget. Jesus said the contents of the cup serve to remind you of my blood. To remind you of all that I accomplished through my blood. Through my blood, I purchased a new covenant between God and man, a better covenant. My blood served as the ransom price to redeem you from the consequences of your sin. My blood is the means to your forgiveness. And wash you as white as snow. Don't forget. Don't ever forget. The Bible tells us that when Jesus and his disciples finished that first communion, before they left, they sang a hymn. That's exactly what we're going to do. The hymn we're going to sing is entitled, Great Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's based on a verse found in the Old Testament book of Lamentations. The prophet Jeremiah penned these words in Lamentations 3.23. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Now you would think that the person who wrote those words had just experienced the faithfulness of God, wouldn't you? It sounds like something someone who's just been delivered would say, right? Wrong. In the verses that precede verse 23, Jeremiah described his life at that very moment. And these are the words he used. Listen carefully. Affliction. Darkness. Broken. Anguish. Distress. Bound. Helpless. Devastated. Bitter and suffering. He said, my peace has been stripped away and I've forgotten what prosperity is. Then he lamented and he said, I will never forget this awful time. And what he says next, 
It blows my mind. He said, and I paraphrase, yet, in spite of everything, I still dare to hope. In the midst of darkness and difficulty, Jeremiah had hope. He was fully expecting that things are going to get better. How could that be? In verse 21, he said, and once again I paraphrase, my hope comes from remembering this. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are are fresh each morning. Jeremiah's hope came from knowing that God is faithful. He knew that in his time and in his way, God's going to come through for me in the end. Jeremiah believed, you know what? It could be any day. Jeremiah lived in the expectancy that that maybe today's the day that he shows me mercy and he delivers me from this terrible season of my life. Some of you can really relate with Jeremiah. You're going through an awful time and you've been going through an awful time for a long time. If I'm talking to you, I would encourage you to do something. Stop being hopeless. And start being hopeful. In the midst of your darkness, don't forget this. God is faithful. He has always come through for His people. And He's going to come through for you. I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't even know what His deliverance for you is going to look like. But I know it's coming. Maybe today. If not today, maybe tomorrow. If not tomorrow, maybe the day after that. And say, Ronnie, how do you know? The Bible tells us that God's mercies are fresh every morning. You know what that means? It means literally any day could be the day that God delivers you from this dark episode of your life. Most of you know that I have some lower back issues. And on Tuesday night, November the 16th, I was lying on my couch, Jonathan, watching a basketball game. My back went out. And I think a better way for me to describe it would be my lower back blew out. I I don't know why. And over the next nine days, I was pretty much bound to my home. I spent most of the days lying flat on my back on the bed, staring at the ceiling. Thanksgiving morning, I woke up. Now, the only way I could escape pain totally was to lie on my side on the bed. Thanksgiving morning, I woke up, and I'm lying on my side, Larry. I didn't feel any pain. And I was wide awake. I knew it's time to get up. Pam, I was afraid to move. You know why? I was afraid that when I moved... I would feel that pain and be reminded, this is not over. So I just kept laying there in the dim light of dawn. And as I lay there, I began to hear the words of an old hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. And there's a line that in there says, morning by morning, new mercies I see. As those words are floating through my head, I I hear this still, small voice go, Move, Ronnie. 
go ahead and move. Because today might be the day. Today might be the day that God fixes this, changes this. You'll never know until you move. So I took a deep breath and threw those covers back and threw my feet on the floor and stood up. And you know what I felt? Excruciating pain. Debilitating pain. I was right back on the bed. Until this morning. Now, typically, in a situation like this, you know what follows on the heels of this for me? Depression. Deep, dark depression. Far worse than the back pain. As God is my witness, I tell you this morning, there's been no depression. If anything, over the past few days of my life, I experienced the joy of God, the joy of the Lord on greater levels, I think, than I've ever experienced. I've been so happy, it's almost obnoxious. You know why? I have hope. Hope is a powerful thing. Here's what I know. God is faithful. He always comes through for His people. And if not today, maybe tomorrow. And it hasn't been today yet, but maybe tomorrow, Milton. Some of you came here today hopeless. I don't want you to leave that way. I want you to leave hopeful. God is aware of what you're going through. He's been watching. Just as he watched those Israelites. And I know I may never convince you of this. But he's been listening to your prayers through this whole ordeal. I believe at this very moment he's putting together a plan to rescue you from this dark period of your life. I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't circled the date of your deliverance on his calendar. And on whatever day he's chosen, you can write this down. God's going to come through for you. So stop being hopeless. And start being hopeful. God is faithful. As a matter of fact, great is his faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies. Oh.
look over your shoulder at the course of your life. How has he blessed you? In what ways has he demonstrated his faithfulness to you? Why don't you take some time and just express your gratitude? And in the midst of all those blessings, please, please don't overlook this. God loved you so much that he made you the target of his grace and mercy. Sent his own son to die on the cross. Raised him from the grave so that you could be forgiven. Oh, thank him. God, we do. Thank you so much. Thank you, God, for your absolute faithfulness. In Christ's name, amen. You may be wondering what to do with that little cup. There are going to be some people right outside the door who will take those from you as you leave. Thank you for coming.